0: Celebration. Uh, this is a service of reflection, as as tomorrow night will be as well. There's three services really that we do each year as we prepare for Easter. Palm Sunday, uh, which is behind us, Monday, Thursday tonight, and Friday tomorrow night, and then we celebrate the Lord's Resurrection on Sunday. And the reason we do Monday, Thursday, <clears throat> and, the, and the meaning of the word Monday. Some of you have heard me say this several times already, so you can say it. Uh, but it's when Jesus gathered his disciples together for that final meal and he said, a new a commandment I give you, that you would love one another even as I have loved you. And They will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And so that, that word, commandment, that he gave, uh, ends up in Latin being mandatum. So a new mandatum I give you. This is how the, the, the Vulgate, the Latin Bible uh, showed it. And then in French, It became Mande, M-A-N-D, with an accent. And of course the English slur everything. (laughs) And so it became Mande, quite Mande. And so Mande is what we have adopted in the Western world. And it's completely confusing to people until you connect it to the idea that we celebrate tonight a commandment. And it's not only a commandment that we celebrate, it's an understanding of, 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 under, of, of the mystery of what we celebrate. It only makes sense because of love. And so as you uh, are led through the evening uh, by the, the liturgy, the liturgy, the word liturgy, the tour just, another great, great word means the work of the people. So our work, so to speak, is to walk through together <clears throat> the events of this night and the next in order to fully understand and let's sink into us the meaning behind this incredible love of God that would motivate Him to come for us, to walk among us, to die for us, and then to uh, live uh, for us as well. So that's where we're going this evening. And you'll see that you have some parts to read. And when you read your part, uh, read it loud. Read it with deep emotion. It will shock you how small people will, will sound angry. Because we want to capture, at least in some small degree, the deep emotions of this evening. And so without any, without any further ado, uh, let us let the music and the words of Scripture and all those wonderful leaders that we have reading tonight lead us through a deep reflection, a very personal reflection of this evening. So Lord Jesus, we come in your name into your presence, empowered by your grace, by your invitation, to sit at your feet to hear your word read, to have a deep sense of your abiding presence where two or three gather together in union, to be moved by your spirit, to be assisted in that, through the creative efforts of people who've composed music and written lyrics that would allow us to connect our hearts to yours. But most of all, Lord, we come to be with you, to sit in your presence as your people, brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God. And so to that end and commit ourselves and this service to you, praying that we would honor and glorify you and bless everyone here. And in Jesus' name we pray, Amen.
1: Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pintful of pure nard an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him.
2: Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple, God, and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed
3: to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present.
4: saying go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover where do you want us to prepare for it they asked he replied as you enter the city a man carrying a jar of water will meet you follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house the teacher asks where is the guest room and where I may eat the Passover with my disciples he will show you a large room upstairs all furnished Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the
5: Passover.
2: In Christ alone, who took on flesh,
6: To eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to the same. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them might be
3: you about to do do quickly but no one at the meal understood why jesus said this to him since judas had charge of the money some thought jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor as soon as judas had taken the bread he went out and it was night
0: So let me recap what we've just heard read. Dinner with Lazarus, Mary and Martha, some other guests. And Martha, in the midst of that meal, takes some very expensive perfume and with her hair wipes Jesus' feet with this. A crowd gathers and the chief priests conspire to kill Lazarus and Jesus. Again, if you remember, this is the setting of him coming into Jerusalem on the Passover. And it's, they're outside the city. So each day they come in and they go back out. On this occasion, several days probably after Lazarus has been raised from the dead, the place is abuzz with what's happened. And this is not good for the chief priests. They do not like this at all. We see then that Satan enters Judas and he went to the chief priests to betray Jesus and they were delighted to pay him that service meanwhile Jesus instructs Peter and John to make arrangements for the Passover by meeting a mysterious man carrying a jar of water and following him to the place that will be theirs to meet an upper room somewhere in Jerusalem at the final Passover meal Jesus inaugurates the bread and the cup that we know as the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, Holy Communion it becomes a symbol of him and his presence among his people. But at that night, it was just an unusual way to end a traditional meal. The traditional Passover meal had never been ended like this. And so what to make of it, uh, God only knew. But they would soon find out. And then Jesus identifies his betrayer and sends him away. But everybody gives him credit for going to give money to the poor. that's the setting. And after Judas left, it says, Jesus said... A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so, that you may, so, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so I try to imagine what this was like at that table, a long meal, conversation, some cryptic things that Jesus says, some warnings. He invokes, he invokes a woe, woe to you who would betray me. He sends Judas on his way. And everybody at that point waiting for what's next. And then what's next is this incredible statement. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. I wonder what he looked like when he said that. I wonder what his posture was. Was it relaxed? Did he sit up? I I can't help but wonder if he didn't use his hands. If he didn't use his hands. And not a new command but a new command I give you. He's giving them a gift. As I thought about this gift, I thought of it as a hand. The five fingers on that hand. The hand of God that brought the world into creation. The hand of God that reaches out to a fallen creation. The hand of God that touched many people to heal them. The hand of God that comforted so many. And on this occasion, I I can't help but imagine him reaching out his hand and saying, a new command I give you. Love one another, even as I have loved you. And perhaps gesturing to them as, I have loved you. This is a deep moment of love. I've loved you. I've loved you. I've loved you. One person is gone. So he doesn't hear that. These are his friends. In the same evening, he said, you know, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. So I thought of those gestures. I thought of a hand, the hand of God reaching out in love. And I thought of his love as our protection. From hard-heartedness, compromise, betrayal, and self-destruction, he protects us if we respond to his love. And where there is no love, Satan will enter. Satan cannot enter a home that is filled with love. Satan cannot penetrate a heart that is filled with love. But when when one is emptied of love, there's only room uh, for the other. The opposite of love. And not just figuratively and and, 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 and poetically, but literally. You clean the house, you empty the house, it's filled with demons if there is no love. The second thing I thought, in terms of the the second finger in this hand reaching out. His love is our prize, as in it's the most valuable possession in our care. I didn't want to call it our possession because that means we hold on to it. But it's our prize. And I thought of prize as being something like a precious heirloom. Uh, We know the word heirloom. It's something that is old and valuable that a family bequeaths to the next generation. But I thought about that word heirloom and really it comes from a word that means you get to receive our our most important tool. Loom is a tool. We think of it as a knitting, as a weaving tool. But before that it was a tool, it literally meant just tool, any important tool. And a family lived or died by the tool that they had that allowed them to make a living. And the most precious thing you could be given then as the oldest son, as the heir of the estate was, here's the thing that has allowed us to survive and provide for your well-being. Treat it like a prize. And, of course, heirloom then became just something, could be art, money, whatever. But that's our prize, the most possession, the most valuable possession in our care. And that thought of his love as our provision. His provision being the currency of God's kingdom, love an inexhaustible resource from Him. We can never run out of what He provides us. We can run out of lots of other things. We cannot run out of His love. He continually provides it for us. His love is then also our prosperity. It's the good life that God alone can provide for us. As soon as we start thinking that prosperity is the accumulation of wealth or material things, the aggrandizement of our own status, the fulfillment of our own desires, the control of people, the acquisition and the accumulation of whatever we count important and valuable, we realize that we not only lack prosperity, we're absolutely impoverished. And so as he held out his hand to them, giving them this this new commandment, he was offering them the source of ultimate prosperity. That the abiding presence of Christ is always our prosperity. And finally, his love, I think of this fifth finger, this whole hand reaching out to us. His love is our perpetual gift in Jesus' name. We give it as we receive it. We receive it in order to give it. You can refuse the love of God. And somehow Judas did, and, and he betrayed God himself. What would cause anybody in their right mind, in their right heart, to betray anyone? You know the bitter taste of betrayal. But to betray God himself, there's nothing more heartbreaking. And so I ask, I wonder what they said. Did they murmur? Did they talk? Did they say, I wonder what he means. Why is this a new commandment? How do we love? They knew that the ultimate commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And yet this is a new commandment. Yes, because it said, love as I have loved you. They've experienced His love. They knew His love. It was not a concept or an abstraction. It was something they experienced one day at a time over several years. You and I can experience God's love. And unless we experience it in the presence of Him through His Word, being led by His Holy Spirit to understand His Word, to feast on it, in the presence of His people, carrying one another's burdens. You know, sharing one another's sorrows, lifting one another up to the Lord, celebrating one another's triumphs, hearing the confession of our sins and granting that absolute absolution that says, you are forgiven. You are a beloved son and daughter of God. Nothing can, can keep you from him. Nothing can hold anything against you because you have been forgiven by him. And so this is a real thing that he's offered them that they understood. And now in concrete terms, they could say, I get it. As you love me, so I can love one another. And I imagine them looking at each other, smiling. I go, yeah. We've experienced it, haven't we? We're brothers here tonight. Ah, I wish Judas was here. I guess he's off helping other people. I bet he's carrying that love out into the streets, even as we speak. It's a, it's, a, it's a heartbreaking humor, isn't it? Because it could have been his. Because, you know, Peter that night said, you know, nothing could stop me from standing up for you. And at the end of this meal, Jesus says, you will be sifted like wheat. And you'll deny me. But even in that denial, in the bitterness of having betrayed the Lord, he knew that that love was still for him. And when Jesus reunited with Peter after the resurrection, what did he say? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So there's always repentance possible. It's never too late. Judas did not know that. Let me put it this way. He knew it, but he didn't accept it. And this is a great irony that God himself holds out his hands to the world and says, let me love you so that you can love one another. So everybody would know you're my disciple, and it puts us in crisis. We don't know what to do, and very often people say, "No, not me." So, have you received His love? Are you growing up in it? Let me put it in these terms: Are you submitting yourself to it? Because His love will sift you like wheat. It will. It will. Using another metaphor, it will burn off all the impurities in you. He will take you through trials. Tribulations, not to torment you or to punish you, but to purify you, to help you grow. And so His love isn't just a happy, clappy moment where everything is always good and comfortable. It's always that in a person's mind who has never experienced God's love. But we know that God's love is so profoundly powerful. It will also take us to those places that we don't want to go, confronting us things that we don't want to see. Causing us to embrace truths that we don't want to own. Why? So that we can see his love is bigger and better still. That nothing is bigger than his love. Nothing trumps his love. Because his love comes with truth and grace and mercy and righteousness. So let me ask you, who are you loving with that kind of love? And do they know that you're trying to love them with that kind of love? Have you ever given a reason for the hope that is in you? To say, you know, I don't do it perfectly, but here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to love you like Jesus has loved me. That might shock your kids, your spouse, your friends. It might make them quiet and thoughtful. It might make them scornful. But I'll tell you what, it will haunt them. They won't be able to let go of it. And someday they'll say, wow, I get it. I understand that. I want to love people like that. Or they'll get it right away and they'll say, thank you. Thank you. And who is loving you? What people are loving you? Are you receiving that love as a gift from Jesus? Are you letting people love you? They cannot love you unless they know you. Are you allowing yourself to be vulnerable to love? Afraid that, well, if you really know who I am, you might be disappointed. You might withdraw your love. You might withhold your love. Are you willing to trust God's love in you? And God's love to others given to you through him to help you be vulnerable and open and honest in a way that you would say, okay, he's clearing out all the clutter so that there's more room for his love. You see, his love doesn't get bigger. Our capacity to receive it and experience it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And So may tonight and tomorrow night be a time of deep reflection on God's love for you. And Lord Jesus, I pray that over each one of us here, that you would take us deep as we trust you As we receive your extended hand, as we grasp it, secure in your grip, Lord. We want to be led by you, guided by you. We want to embark on this adventure of love. Perhaps we've been on it and we're tired. Perhaps we've been on it and we're unsure. Perhaps we're on that and we feel like we could walk forever. In any case, Lord, I pray for each one here that this would be a new season of walking with you and your love experiencing it, luxuriating in it, enjoying it, and being able to share it with others as a gift that it is. We pray all this in your name. Amen. And so, on that night, as, as John read earlier, uh, Jesus took that bread. And it would have looked something like this. Symbolic of Passover, the unleavened bread. Bread made quickly to be eaten before they left the captivity, captivity of Egypt and so he took that bread and having blessed it, uh, something like Baruch Ata Elohenu Eloheinu Melech ha-olam. and now to you, Lord Almighty, King of the universe he broke it and he distributed it to them and he said, take and eat it this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same manner he took that cup A cup of wine dedicated to Elijah, the fourth cup, the one who would come. And he said, This is my blood. This is the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. And so this cup symbolizes his sacrifice. It symbolizes, in a sense, the bottomless cup of his love. It's not a cup of bitterness for us, it's a cup of redemption. It's a cup that fulfills the promises of God. God keeps his promises. And to the degree that we are willing to trust him in those promises, we find him faithful. And so as you receive the bread, understand that this is a gift to you, to remind you that God is within you if you have received him by faith. If you have not received him by faith, receive him tonight and take that bread and say, Lord, I do want to be in a relationship with you. Let him meet you at the point of your doubts and your questions. That point at which you say, I don't know. I don't even know what I don't know. But he does. And so let him meet you there. Eat the bread. And then when we distribute the cup, let's hold the cup and drink it together, symbolizing our unity in Christ as the family of God, his people. And so again, Lord Jesus, we we commit these elements to you. We recognize your presence in them. In some mysterious way, you are present here tonight in the bread and in the cup. Not that they contain you, but they reflect your greatness. Not that they're just simply symbols, but Lord, you are here among us in a powerful way. And so Lord, we pray that you would meet us, that you would renew us, that not only would we be able to say we are born again, but we are born again and again and again as we're refreshed and renewed. For your, new, your mercies are new every morning. And so Lord God, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for every need. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. receive this cup we receive it with the confidence that we are acceptable to God because he's made us acceptable we have confidence that he loves us so much that he died for us we'll celebrate the rest of the story we'll walk through the rest of the narrative tomorrow evening uh, and we'll let that sink in what it cost him to love us we're talking about love that is substantial Love that is durable. Love by His grace, which is doable. And it's love that's eternal. And so nothing and no one can separate us from the love of Christ. And this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have Son, the Son of God does not have life. This life is for you. It's for everyone in his name. And it's in his name that we drink this cup. And if you would, please simply pass it down to the end of your row. We'll collect them. In a moment, we'll have a prayer. And then we'll continue uh, with some music and some scripture. At the end of the service, after the final scripture is read, we'll leave in silence not to be morbid or maudlin but to be thoughtful and reflective and to respect the fact that god is meeting us in a way that's very personal and intimate and the, and the joy we have of sharing it together is enhanced as we walk out here being able to keep that in mind without being distracted and if you'd like to contribute to the benevolence fund you'll see that there's some baskets and you can simply make that contribution so that we in this season of uh, celebrating god's love for us we remember other people and so Lord Jesus we come into your presence with a full assurance that your arms are open wide to us we thank you Lord that nothing we have done or have not done disqualifies us because we come by your invitation by your grace knowing that your love is enough So much so, Lord, that we see your sacrifice on the cross, arms stretched out wide, embracing the world. Praying that the Father would not hold our sins against us, for we do not know what we do. We have no idea, Lord, how desperate we are. How desolate we are. But for your love. We thank you that you know our names. And you want our hearts to be connected to yours. For that, Lord, we can only smile and shake our heads at the wonder of it all. And so, Lord, we simply, in wonder, in awe, say thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
4: As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, if if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times."
2: Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cut from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation.
7: While he was still speaking, a crowd came up
2: Rest in me first cry to final breath.
5: About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered in the word the Lord has spoken to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly.